Amen. Now there's a few awake, Pastor Mike. There's a few awake now. I'm, I'm finding it warm in here today, but that could be me. That could be me. Um, and so we are looking at the kingdom of God. And for anyone that's visiting today, uh, we wanted you to know that we've been looking at the kingdom of God since towards the end of January. And uh, we just wanted, that's what God's been telling us or telling me, and I'm sharing that God's telling us as a church that that's what God is wanting of us in this year. And I've used this statement before, but it really applies to our passage of Scripture today that Walter read for us. Are we there yet? Now, I'm sure there's a lot of parents with little ones and probably even coming home, but maybe coming home is not as bad as going, have heard that these last couple weeks. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And what do we usually say as, as parents, and it doesn't make any sense, or grandparents, we're nearly there. What does nearly mean? We're nearly there. Like, does nearly mean another half a day, another half an hour? Like, right? That, that's something that, that is going on. And we'll see today in a bit our passage that the 12 apostles thought they were supposed to renew and restore the people of Israel. Because remember, there was 12 tribes. Now Jesus chooses 12 disciples. So this is the time, right, Jesus? We're going, you're going to restore your kingdom. And so they're basically asking Jesus, are we there yet? <laughs> is it the time, right? Is it time? Well, we've been looking at uh, Matthew 13, and we've been looking at the mar- uh, parables in Matthew 13, But now there's a time here where you move beyond the parables, and we're talking about real-life issues. Remember, for those that have been here, we said a parable is uh, is an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. It's an earthly story with a heavenly meaning. And for those that are visiting or weren't here, we said that the verse that God gave us this year is seek first his kingdom and his righteousness and all these things will be added on to you as well. We talked about worries, right, in Matthew 6. We talked about the struggles that people are going through, uh, the heightened reality of anxiety. And we heard about somebody this week on Compass that's not going to run in the next election and he got up on the news and said, because I have anxiety, he made it known that he can't run. He didn't feel it was fair that he would run again and and serve another four years. So we see in our community and all around us, there is this reality of anxiety. We talked about the fact that one in four Canadians right now are expressing that they're sensing and feeling anxiety. And so what's the answer to that? Well, I think it's the same answer that's always been there, not to belittle anyone that's going through that, But our aim needs to be, first of all, to seek God's kingdom first and his righteousness. And God's going to take care of the other things that maybe we're anxious about. And so then we realize, well, what is the kingdom then? Like when we use that word, Christendom has used the word kingdom, it's all used all over the place. And we can see easily the disciples meant something different than Jesus did. Parables in Matthew 13, when Jesus said, this is what the kingdom is like. And so Jesus taught the parables. We looked at the fact of the, uh, actually it's really the parable of the four soils. And Jesus said that there's only one in four that often get the secret, the mystery of the kingdom. So we saw the kingdom is mysterious. Then we looked at the wheats and the tares and the kingdom of God is contested. It is challenged. It is not going to come easily. It comes often with most, a lot of difficulty. 
And we need to have our eyes open to that, even as our opening song said <laughs> about hard times, right? That it's not always easy following Jesus, and the kingdom doesn't always come just smoothly. Then we looked at the fact that the kingdom is gradual, and we looked at the, the reality of the mustard seed and the yeast, that people think the kingdom is big and going to come with a big bang, but ultimately it comes quietly and gradually continues to grow. And nothing is going to be able to stop it. And then we looked at the parables of that precious pearl of great price and the hidden treasure. And we realized that the kingdom of God is priceless. It is worth your all. Everything that you have, everything that you are, the kingdom is worth it. So count the cost. Now, last week, we had a hard question that the kingdom of God is decisive, and it was the parable of the dragnet that catches all kinds of fish, but there's coming a day when they're going to sit and they're going to sort, and it's not us or you who do the sorting. It's the angels of God that's going to come and sort that which is good fish and that which is bad fish. There's coming a day, a decisive day, when the kingdom will come. Now, are you with me? Thank you. Here's the question today. We're still looking at this today and then next week about the kingdom. We could spend all year on it. We'll pick it up again in the fall, I believe. I've been praying about it. What is kingdom culture? What does the kingdom culture look like? And we'll look at that probably later on. I'm praying about that when. But, you know, we're looking at that this week, and then we're going to look at it again next week. And this week, we're looking at the reality of this passage is kind of bringing up. Is the kingdom of God physical, or is the kingdom of God spiritual? And this is what was happening with the disciples when they're saying to Jesus, when will the kingdom come? Notice in verse 6, they said, Then they gathered around him and asked, Lord, are you at this time going to restore the kingdom of Israel? See, if you look back at verse 3, for 40 days they've been with Jesus, and Jesus is now teaching them, verse 3 tells us, about his kingdom. And so, you know, they're looking forward to this glorious age when the Son of God will reign over the whole earth. Now when he promises them that just in a few days you're going to wait, you're going to receive the promise of the Holy Spirit. There's a natural question then, so if you're sending the Spirit, does that mean that you're setting up your kingdom here and now? And you see, they're very confused and puzzled. Nothing is a gone according to their plan. Does that sound familiar? <laughs> Try to plan out God's kingdom and see how far you get. <laughs> It's one of the biggest rules and, and, and truths that we start to understand as pastors and leaders that you cannot program, you cannot plan God's kingdom. It doesn't go according to how you plan. It's not about manipulating the kingdom of God in. It's about being available to the kingdom and allowing God to move. And so we see that the disciples here are struggling. They're, 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 they're puzzled because in somehow three years earlier, they had signed up for a Jewish renewal movement. And this was now going to be the new Messiah, the new king. And they had their plans how it was all supposed to work out. Then, of course, Christ gets crucified and that messes up their plans. Now he's telling them he's going to go back to the Father. 
That is not what they wanted to hear. See, they wanted a king, a physical king in the ordinary sense, just like King David. And he would be uh, the top king, and he would rule the world, the world as they knew it, and he would now put all the nations under him, and their nation of Israel would be on top, and all those evil nations would be punished. And so that's where your kingdom is, Jesus. And so they didn't get it. And so, yes, Jesus' message, the center of his message was always, as we said, around the kingdom of God. But the disadvantage we're seeing here today is he meant one thing, and they meant something completely different. They thought as God's chosen people, they were destined to special privilege. Does that sound familiar? They thought that God's kingdom was all about politics. That definitely sounds familiar. That often as Christians, we can make that mistake. And so we can see the reality today that in a sense, God's kingdom is spiritual. Verse 7, Jesus said to them, it is not for you to know the times. I don't know why so many people spend so much time on times and dates. Here it is clearly said. Do not, <laughs> it's not for you to know the times or the dates the Father has set by his own authority. It is not for you to know. Not for you to know. And so Jesus dismisses his disciples' question with the declaration that it was not given to them or you or me to know the times, the when. Their question was off the mark. However, Jesus came back with a different answer, which he did often. He said, told them about the power that they needed now. He told them the how it was going to happen. In Mark 1 to 15, Jesus said, though, this is where they're confused. Jesus said, the time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe in the good news. And then in Luke 17, he said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. So you can understand where they were confused. They thought that the kingdom of God was here, but they missed the point that Jesus had also talked about the spiritual reality of the kingdom of God when he said that the kingdom of God is within us. And he also, when he was challenged about his kingdom, he said it was something that is not of this world. That's in John's Gospel, chapter 3 and chapter 18. And so the reality today that the kingdom of God, yes, is spiritual because he is in me today and he is in you. And the moment that I allow him to reign and rule in my heart, he is king. That's what he wants to do today. He wants to reign in your heart. He wants to reign in your life. He wants to be your king. And so it is spiritual in that fact. But my friends, there's a day a coming. <laughs> there's a day a coming when the king will physically come. It's all throughout the book of Revelation. It's all throughout scripture. Jesus said that he was coming again. This is not metaphysical. This is not some, you know, myth, myth out there or, or he's coming in some kind of ghost. He is coming again physically. There will come a day when he will physically return. 
And so because of this, we're, we're caught in this dualism of trying to get our minds around this, trying to understand it, that the fact that God's kingdom is spiritual, it rules, he rules in my heart and my life, I sense his presence through the Holy Spirit, as Walter said today, in this place, I can sense his presence, but there is a reality that it is also physical. See, the problem is often when we think the kingdom of heaven or the kingdom of God can be used interchangeably, we think of harps, clouds, and angels, and choirs. (laughs) Or like the Philadelphia cream cheese commercial. (laughs) God help us. Somebody one time said, if that's what heaven is, I don't want it. (laughs) If that's what the kingdom is, imagine doing that day in and day out eating Philadelphia cream cheese. It's good, but it's not that good. (laughs) And so sometimes when we think the kingdom of God, we, we see it as, as, you know, we're confused about that, right? But I want to tell you right now, Pastor Mike has been adamant about this, heaven is wherever the presence of God is. Heaven is a place where our spirits will go while we wait for the kingdom of God. But there is a reality when we ask for heaven to come down, when we ask that, you know, heaven is here, The presence, wherever the presence of God is, wherever the king is, there is heaven. (laughs) And so there's a reality today that the king is present. The king is here. He is here with us. We're told that I believe that when we come to his table and partake of those emblems, the king is present. And so it's physical here and now because it's the place where the king reigns where he rules. And so it's in your heart, if he rules in your marriage, in your family, if he rules in the church, and I'm not talking about the building, I'm talking about us as the church. If he is ruling now in his church, he is present. It's about that physical aspect of his death, his resurrection, his ascension, his exaltation. So in this moment, before he is now ascended and exalted, he he is there trying to get his disciples to get their minds around this and comprehend. And I pray in the name of Jesus today that you would begin to understand this. The eyes of your understanding would be open to the reality of what our king is and what he does. Our king today rules. Do you know that? He is ruling today physically. It's not just about, oh, someday Jesus will return and then he rules. The truth of it is he is ruling right now. King Jesus is ruling and reigning right now. That's what the ascension is about. That's what the exaltation is about, where he has been lifted up to the right hand of the Father. It wasn't his spirit that went to the Father. What went to the Father? His body was ascended and brought up into that place right now, into the heavenly realms where he is our high priest, but he is also exalted king, sitting at the right hand of the Father, ruling the universe at this moment. That's where I said you've got to get your minds wrapped around that. He is ruling right now in his physical body. Not some spirit up there floating around. In his physical body, your body, your fallenness, the body 
that was stained with sin under the first Adam, and now Christ, our second Adam, has redeemed. That's what we're doing when we take communion. It's not just about my sins being washed away. I'm partaking of what? His body. And his body was nailed to that cruel tree, but his body is also right now at the right hand of the Father ruling. Hand, right hand, is authority. That's why when we pray, we pray in whose name? Jesus' name and his authority because he is ruling right. This will change your prayer life if you can get your mind wrapped around this. This is when we pray in his name, we're asking King Jesus, who rules the universe, to break in to what we're praying for in this moment and this need. And we're going to get into some of that next week. So Christ in his redeemed body, glorified body, the first fruits of the resurrection, sits at God's right hand right now. Hallelujah. And so when he says to me, when we go out to that graveside and we lay down our loved ones in that grave and we pronounce about Christ's resurrection and the future resurrection to come, I believe it. In the name of Jesus, I know that those who have died in Christ, and by the way, everyone's going to be resurrected and come before the judgment seat, but we lay them down in Christ. That's how they're laid down. They're laid down in that grave, and so we don't grieve like other people grieve. We have that hope. I am so tired of hearing funerals of believers that's about their dog and their pets. Pastor Mike and I have talked about it. I know you love your pets, no problem. But when we gather and when we have a funeral and when we preach the word of God, we talk about the hope of the resurrection, that our God is alive. And he, Jesus is not just alive, my friend, Jesus is alive. He is alive and he reigns and he rules. He is the king. And so he is physically now ruling right now in heaven but his kingdom is also deferred. It is also deferred. The kingdom of God is already here and he rules through his church. When I say church, I'm not talking about this building or denominations. I'm talking about us, the church. And so he's ruling both physically and spiritually at that moment of the incarnation. This is the power of the birth of Christ at Christmas, what we celebrate. I remember our first Christmas when we finally began to understand, we wept as we looked at the little manger scene we had because God broke into our world. The king came. The king left his heavenly place and he came and he was in that simple manger as a small newborn baby in the arms of a humble couple. But I'll tell you today that it didn't, he didn't stay there in that place. That's why the crucifixion is so hard. What did they put over his head when he was crucified? Here is the king of the Jews. They made it as a mockery, but the truth of it was, it was true. What did they put on his head? They put a crown. Oh, it was a crown of thorns. And by the way, the crown of thorns was the curse of Adam and Eve in the garden. I tell you, if you could get a picture of what God has done for us, that crown that he wore on that cross is the crown of the curse of Adam and Eve right back at the beginning. And he took it on his head. Remember what they were told? That when you go to work in the field, what was going to happen? There'd be thorns. 
There'd be sweat on their brow. Where does Jesus put that crown of thorns? Here. And he wears it gloriously as his crown. And so in that death of our Lord and Savior, the King, and then the hallelujah, the King came up from the grave, and then he ascended to the Father. When we pray now, this is what we're going to look a bit at last week, next week. Your will be done. Where? Here on earth as it is in heaven. That's not something I'm waiting for. Way, way and some kumbaya someday down there. Jesus is reigning today. And so we're asking for the reign of King Jesus to come and break in right now, right here. And I prayed it this morning. <laughs> that God would break right into Elmsdale and West Prince and Elmsdale Church of the Nazarene this morning. And we can pray that way and believe it. But there is that aspect that the kingdom is incomplete. <clears throat> the kingdom has not yet come fully. And there will come a day when that trump shall sound and the kingdom of God is going to come and we're going to enter into his kingdom. And whether you are alive in Christ or you have died in Christ, it doesn't matter because we're all going to get caught up in the air and we're going to enter his kingdom together. And there's coming a day when that which is now deferred, that which is now incomplete, there will come a day when we will be a part of his physical kingdom. I like what 1 Corinthians 15, 24, 25 says. Then comes the end when he delivers the kingdom of God, the Father, when he puts an end to all the rule and all authority and power, for he must reign. That's now. He must reign till he has put all enemies under his and there will come a day, a moment, when that will happen. And he will usher in his kingdom. And it will become physically real to us. And we will see him as he is. And we will see him face to face. And each one of us, Revelation, I believe 22.10, says that he is coming and he is going to give each one of us according to what we have done. Most importantly, what have you done with Jesus? <laughs> what have you done with the gospel? And so, my friends, there is coming a day when Christ is going to come. So what do we do? Here they are. Lord, are you going to do your kingdom thing right now? You haven't done it yet. Well, you're not doing what we expect. And Jesus begins to show them that that's not what it's about. And then he says to them that they are to be what? Christ's heralds. They're to be Christ's witnesses. So they're worried about the when. Jesus says, that's not for you to worry about. This is the how. You cannot witness for Jesus Christ without the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. Because it will be a closed door every time you do it. They will not be open to it. You will not be going where the Spirit is leading you. Sometimes, as we've known, we've, people have done more harm than good in the name of Jesus because they're doing it in the flesh and not the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. My friends today, to be a witness for Christ, you need to be filled to the utmost with Jesus. 
so that you can go around. I'm not saying that we have a spiritual lead and the ones less can't witness. I am saying for where you are today, God has given you the empowerment through his Holy Spirit if you are in Christ. And you can ask for more power to be able to be his witnesses. We remember the days in the church where everyone went on about power and it was so important in the Holy Spirit and it was all about bless me, bless me, bless me. And it's like nowhere in Scripture does it say that. Now, if you're filled with the Holy Spirit, it's blessing, no doubt. But you've been given the Holy Spirit for a reason. What's the reason? To be his witnesses. That's what Jesus said here. Wait until the Holy Spirit comes so that you might be my witnesses. And he says to them, go into the whole world. What? Can you imagine? You didn't build up your kingdom like we expected, Jesus. This is not what we signed up for. Now you're telling us you're going to leave us, and now you want us to reach the whole world? Imagine how frustrated they were. <laughs> and so Jesus is saying to them that they are going to receive this power, and the word power is dunamis, and we've said this before. It is the same root word for the English word dynamite. That's what they're going to receive. This dunamis, the power of the Holy Spirit. But somebody said, you know, for too long we've not made it known that another English uh, word that we use from that word is dynamic. And I thought it was cute because they said so many, so many Christians have been too explosive. And not enough have lived a dynamic life for Christ. That's what Jesus is saying to his disciples. Wait until you receive this dunamis, this power to live a dynamic life for Christ. And we know in the book of Acts, we are told that that's how the early church were. They were to be his eyewitnesses. What is a witness? A witness is a person who have had a personal experience. If you go into the court and you go to witness something, what do you witness? You witness what you have seen what you have experienced and so it's not good to go around and just speak to people if you haven't experienced it for yourself and so they are to be witnesses who have experienced it themselves and they are not just to do it out of words but deeds do you realize that witness is the same word as martyr now i know i really would be frustrated hearing from jesus in this point that you're going to be my martyrs. <laughs> when the power comes of the Holy Spirit, you're going to be my martyrs. See how many sign up for that. And so that word can be used interchangeably, martyrs or witnesses. But it comes back to what we spoke about several weeks ago. You must be willing to count the cost. If you're going to be the witness of Christ... You're going to receive that power, and you're going to receive it in such a way that you are going to be willing to count the cost as you spread the word. Why did I use the word herald? Because that word can also be interchanged with witness. In Jesus' day, when a king was removed or passed away, and they put a new king in and enthroned him, how would you get that message out into your world that you governed? Well, they didn't have Facebook. They didn't have telephones. What they had were heralds. So the king would call in his heralds, 
and the heralds would be given a scroll, a message to go forth and to read. And so they would send them out across their whole dominion. Those heralds would go forth and say, by so-and-so, we are informing you that there is now a new king enthroned. So-and-so is no longer king, and there's a new king enthroned, and you must give him your allegiance. You get the picture? Jesus is saying, I'm not just king. In a moment, I'm going to ascend. I'm going to be exalted. I'm going to the right hand of the Father. And I'm not just king over Israel. I am king over the whole world. So you now have a message. You are my heralds. You go forth and tell people about my kingdom and tell them that they are to give me now their allegiance as king of all. And so you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. We don't have time for this today, but many mission messages will be on. Jesus even gives them his agenda, his plan, how it's to be done. They're going to first witness, herald where? Don't go way overseas. Tell people in your own family, in your own town, in your own area that Jesus is king. And then you move out into your culture, West Prince, and tell people that Jesus is truly king. And then you go to nearby cultures. Maybe you get in the car and you travel to Charlottetown and tell them that Jesus is king. And once you got that done, you go and start to go out to the ends of the world where people have never heard of Jesus. That's how it's done, people. That's Jesus' plan. It's not that complicated. question is, have we received power? Or are we still waiting for Jesus to do our plans, figure out our things? Or are we submitting to his kingdom today, to his rule and his way? Are we waiting on the tippy toes of expectation for his kingdom to come? Have we received the power of the Holy Spirit to be his heralds, we've got a message that he's given us. Or are we just sitting? Can you imagine if the king did that and a herald sat there in the throne room and didn't go? <laughs> oh, I just, great, great that I know that you're the king. Herald's role was to take this message and go out and bring it to wherever God was leading them and calling them. Here's the big question today, and it's a mystery. We're still trying to figure it all out. Is the kingdom of God within you, or are you within the kingdom? I believe it's both. I believe that through his spirit, the kingdom of God is in us as Christ reigns in my heart and life. But I believe, knowing that, I now step into his kingdom, and I'm a part of that. I'm going to ask the worship team to come as we close. Oh, I'd like some of Johnny Cash's stuff. Anyone else like Johnny Cash? Well, it's just a few of us. Some of you put it up like... Do you know Johnny Cash wore black because he said he wore black in, in recognition of everyone who was grieving and hurting and broken? That's why you always seen him wear black. That's why he would wear black when he went into the prisons to minister in the prisons, and he would share the gospel. That's who Johnny Cash was. And that's why he always wore black, to say that, that he could sympathize with people and what they were going through and the brokenness. But it was interesting that uh, that statement, I'm sure you've heard that statement, right? You know, people that are so heavenly minded, they're no earthly good. The only one that's heard that? 
And so that was actually from Oliver Wendell Holmes made that statement. And Johnny Cash put it in a song. And his words in his song were, You're shining your light, and shine it you should. But you're so heavenly minded, you're no earthly good. Why do I say that? If we're not careful, if, if salvation is just about me and myself and my soul, and it's all right with Jesus, hallelujah, and my salvation is about someday I'm going to see him face to face way out there, that's usually a person that's going around with their heads in the clouds. Not a lot is done for God's kingdom in that way, my friends. That's true. It's not saying it's wrong. But there's so much more to the kingdom of God than just that. And our king is ruling in this moment. And even as you come in to worship him, what position do often we take in worship? We bow down because he's king of kings and lord of lords today. And I live with a wonderful, glorious hope that someday this body of mine that's fallen apart in many ways will one day be glorified and enter into the kingdom with him. He has redeemed this body of mine and he has forgiven me of my sins and I have no fear in the judgment because of the fact that my Lord has forgiven me and my sins have been nailed to that cross and I can point to the day and when, but I know he forgives me my sins today because if we have sinned, We've noticed this, and if, if we have sin, we have an advocate. He's not just my king, but he's also my lawyer that stands before the throne and pleads my case. And I know the Lord said to me this year, when I said, Lord, what's the first word you would say to me? And he said, you're mine. I said, excuse me? You're mine. You know, I believe that as we come before that throne, I can see Jesus saying, she's mine. She's mine. He's mine. She's mine. He's mine. That we belong to the king. We belong to the kingdom of God. Even though we haven't walked into it yet, we are part of the kingdom of God through Christ. The other beauty of it is that I have a role to play. You have a role to play. It's time we get to it. We're called to be Jesus's, the King's heralds. We're called to go out through the empowerment of the Holy Spirit and tell other people that there's a new king and they need to also give him their heart, their life, their allegiance. Lord, this is a heavy message, but it's an exciting message, and I'm excited. I don't know if anyone else is, but I'm excited about the truth of what your kingdom is about, and all the pieces of the puzzle that begin to come together. And we don't see it, Lord. We see through a cloud. We see through it vaguely. We don't get it all. Even the Apostle Paul didn't understand it all. But there is coming a day when that we will see clearly. <laughs> and we won't care so much about all this that we argued about or looked at or were worried about then. But I pray today that it would not be said like it was said in Matthew 13, that we have eyes and do not see, we have ears and do not hear, we have hearts and do not feel. King Jesus, you are here this morning, you're walking through this church. Revelation tells us that, that you walk amongst the lampstands. The king is present. 
And as Walter brought to our attention today, we want to know that you are present. We want to have a sense or the sensitivity today to your presence. And so, Father, I pray that even as people go home today and through this week, you'll put scriptures in front of them, you'll reaffirm. We're always to test the preaching of your word, the teaching of your word. We're to test it back against your word. But God, I pray through your Holy Spirit this week that this is going to begin to resonate in people's hearts and lives. And you are going to show them through your word and through prayer and through other things that this is the truth. And there's no need for us going around as believers with our heads down and our shoulders down and feeling defeated and speaking defeatism over everyone and everything because we belong to the king. And he rules today, right now. And Lord Jesus, rule in my heart. Rule in my life. Rule in my marriage. Rule in my family. Rule in the ministries of this church. Rule in this church. And God, help us to bring the rule of God to a hurting and broken world, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.